0: All right, Mark chapter three. It says, and Jesus entered the synagogue again, and a man was there who had a withered hand. So they, the Pharisees, watched him closely, whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward, and then he said to them, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they kept silent. And when he had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him. But Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great multitude from Galilee followed him. And from Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and beyond the Jordan, those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude, when they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. For he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. And the unclean spirits, whenever they saw him, fell down before him and cried out, saying, You are the Son of God. But he sternly warned them that they should not make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot who also betrayed him and they went into a house then the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread but when his own people heard about this they went out to lay hold of him for they said he's out of his mind and the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said he has Beelzebub and by the ruler of demons he casts out demons so Jesus called them to himself and he said to them in parables how can satan cast out satan If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they may utter— But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation, because they said, He has an unclean spirit. Then his brothers and his mother came, standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? And he looked around in a circle at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. If we're looking for instruction on hitting the mark as disciples this morning, then we're in the right chapter. Uh, Because here in chapter 3, we not only have Jesus calling the 12 in that example, uh, but then we also see him giving them specific instructions. And then simultaneously, we have a comparison to some other people there that were around him at the time, the scribes and uh, people from Jesus' hometown as well. And those folks were in opposition to what the Lord was doing. So it's a really good chapter to look at discipleship. And so here we get a little insight into what discipleship is about and what sort of things um, the Lord sees that as and then what sort of things breaks, uh, break the Lord's heart. Um, we're not going to go in order uh, through the chapter because we, you know, we only have a few minutes to talk about this stuff. So we're going to start with the calling of the 12 there. Uh, it took me a long time to understand that during his ministry, a whole bunch of people followed Jesus as disciples. A whole bunch of people followed him around all the time and were listening to his teachings. And that from that, among that group, the Lord called out the 12 in this uh, situation. He called them out for specific purposes, as the text points out. At one point during his ministry later on, Jesus shares some hard teaching about what it really means to be a disciple. And uh, there in John chapter 6, uh, John relays the fact that after that time, after a specific teaching time, uh, many of the people who were following Jesus turned back and walked with him no more, the text says. Now, of course, then later at the crucifixion, everyone deserted him. All of these people, the twelve, everybody deserted him. Um, Peter you know, hung back and followed at a great distance to see the trial, and there, after the Lord is hanging on the cross, we see John show up and stand at the base of the cross there. But throughout his ministry, many people followed Christ as disciples, not just uh, the 12 here. We see Jesus, however, climb up on a little hill or a mountaintop and separate out for himself 12 specific individuals to do specific work for him. Now, these guys had a, spe- a special position during that time and during the first century church. Um, and so, you know, they're an example to us, but we're not apostles. No, no, none of us here are going to be apostles or are apostles. However, like these guys, um, the Scripture teach, teaches that we each receive a specific calling on our lives. Look at verse 13 real quick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and he called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. And when then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sicknesses, and to cast out demons. And so as we see this uh, situation playing out, and as we step back and look at the rest of Scripture... You know, looking at passages like Romans chapter 12 where it talks about each individual believer receiving a specific gift by God, or Ephesians 4 talking about our calling, it's made very clear that each and every single Christian, each and every single individual disciple is number one, wanted by God, and number two, is called by God to do a specific work that has been set before us to do. Um, And we see that demonstrated in the the calling of the 12 here, even though we are not apostles as they were. And the definition of a disciple is someone who is willing to stand up and follow the Lord and his word when they're called to do so. Uh, Jesus says so plainly all the way down in verse 35. Verse 35, he says, For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister. And my mother. And so we see a great deal of intimacy here revealed in this text when it comes to um, the disciple relationship with God and with Jesus Christ. It would be a mistake to miss that intimacy and that closeness. Because, first of all, we see that Jesus called to himself those who he himself wanted, the text says. Then at the end of the chapter, he compares those who follow him as disciples and who follow the will of his father to his immediate family. And so there's this incredible closeness. So first and foremost, we need to understand that we as individual Christians are wanted by God. Uh, He wants to do something in our lives. He wants to take us on a journey where we can be used to preach and to help and to bring God's power to the people of the earth as he sets a specific task in front of us. But as we're often pointing out, that means that as a disciple... Uh, We have to accept the whole of God's will and the whole of God's word, not just the easy parts. You know, we're not there yet, but later on Jesus says, okay, you're my disciples. I've been teaching you this, this, and this. And and now I'm going to teach you something about sacrificing, laying down your own life and taking on, you know, abandon to me as disciples. And uh, that's when stuff started kind of getting philosophically hard for people. And a lot of people said, yeah, I'm, I'm not doing that. And they turned and walked with him no more. Um, but a, a, a real disciple has to accept the whole of God's will and the whole of God's word, not just the easy parts. And so when we get to those portions of scripture that challenge our selfishness, that challenge our pride, or maybe even challenge our five-year plan that we've made for ourselves, are we going to be the ones that turn away or, and, and walk with him no longer? Or are we willing to leave those nets behind and go wherever the Lord is leading us? That's a question that we need to wrestle with if we desire to follow the Lord. Now, the second thing that stuck out to me in this text is that a disciple must be compassionate and willing to help those who are suffering. We see this demonstrated at the top of the passage where Jesus heals the man with the withered hand. The Pharisees were there, and they're just excited about having a chance to trap the Lord. They're just always looking for a reason to to destroy him and to stone him and, you know, to throw him down. They didn't care at all about this guy in the synagogue who was crippled and suffering. In fact, they wanted to use this guy in order to find an excuse to destroy this, this rabbi who was going around healing people and teaching people and turning the hearts of the people to God in repentance. That's what Jesus was doing. And, and instead of caring about any of that, the Pharisees were like, okay, I'm going to use this guy to try to hurt Jesus who's going around doing all these incredible things for people. So here's how Jesus felt about the Pharisees' behavior. Verse 5, And when Jesus had looked around at them with anger, being grieved by the hardness of their hearts, He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. And so it broke the Lord's heart. What the Pharisees were doing broke his heart. And so when we lack compassion, it breaks God's heart, and it angers him. That's what this text says. These Pharisees and these scribes, as God's people, were supposed to be people of compassion. They were supposed to be people who called upon the Lord for help on behalf of others. They were supposed to be a light to the Gentiles and the messengers of hope for all the nations. That's what the Lord said as he called out a specific people for his specific purpose. That's what they were supposed to be. But instead, they had become hard-hearted. They resented the fact that God was actually doing something in their midst. I mean, they rejected their Messiah. Their Messiah was revealed to them, and they, they rejected him. They resented it. Because they'd rather the people around them think that they were spiritual without helping anyone... Uh, without sacrificing anything from their lives and without following after the will of God, which says, lay yourself aside and serve others. They rejected that because they wanted people to think they were spiritual without doing anything, without helping anybody, without sacrificing anything. And that made the Lord angry uh, because when we become self-centered and when we're using people in one way or another, when we stifle down the word of God or the spirit of God and become discompassionate, Uh, then the Lord is angered because those things are the opposite of what God's people are meant to be and to do. And we need to check ourselves for that. A disciple is someone who follows the Lord's will. And so far in these three chapters, we've already seen that the Lord's will is to go to people and to preach and to teach and to serve them, serve the people of the earth. That is the Lord's will. Everywhere Jesus has gone so far in Mark, there have been incredible multitudes around him, and he spends himself preaching to them the gospel, calling people to repentance, uh, healing and serving and loving others. That's what he was doing. Now, remarkably, and I, I hadn't really thought about this really before, but Jesus never sent these crowds away, ever. I mean, he, he never, even when the disciples come later and they're like, hey, man, send these people away. We do to have food for them. He, he doesn't send them away. Instead... Instead of sending them away when he's trying to have a meal or when he's trying to rest, instead, he and the disciples don't eat. They don't rest. They minister to the people who have been brought to them. Now, in our case, things are going to be a little bit different as disciples and as ministers of the gospel because by and large, as far as I can tell this morning, huge multitudes aren't coming to us you know, to be healed or to receive this revelation because this was Jesus we were talking about. This is the Messiah we're talking about. So hundreds of thousands of people aren't going to be crushing in on us this morning. But the fact remains that the life of a disciple is not meant to be centered on recreation or isolation. It's meant to be centered on service uh, and centered on the gospel. Now, there's going to be times of rest. Even Jesus had a few of those during his ministry. There will be times of recreation. Jesus attended weddings and had fun with his guys, giving them nicknames and stuff. (laughs) But the physical focus of our lives is isn't how we can do less and be served by people, but the opposite. The physical focus of our lives should be how can we do more for the Lord and serve more the people around us. In fact, there's a little tidbit in this passage that I really liked. It's there in verse 9, just something that I, I thought was a great phrase for us to meditate on as men who want to be found faithful in Christ. It says there, he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him. As they did ministry around the region, Jesus called upon his guys to keep a small boat on hand. Keep it prepared, keep it maintained, keep it accessible, keep it ready, so that at a moment's notice, they could use that boat in order to keep the compassionate ministry of Christ going. Because Jesus was not going to send the crowds away. Uh, The crowds were actually crushing in on the Lord in their need for his life and for help. It really must have been an incredible spectacle to see these scenes. As Jesus and the disciples, they don't have enough room to eat or to sleep or to pray or, in this case, even to breathe. I mean, these people are just crushing in on them because so many people were flocking there to hear the Christ and to receive the life that he was offering. But Jesus was not going to send them away packing. So he conscripted his disciples to keep this boat ready so that ministry could continue. And so if we want to understand what a di- being a disciple is all about in God's mind and in practice, this is a great chapter to look into. Because here we not only see God's heart, but we also see how it plays out practically and how we also, we also there see what, we can, what can happen to God's people when we are not dedicating our lives to living spirit-led, when we're not submitting to the will of God wholly. Uh, how we become rigid and selfish and discompassionate, how we start seeing people as commodities rather than those that the Lord has brought us to serve. So a disciple is is someone who is not selfish, not self-centered, not obsessed with comfort, not critical of what God is doing, but someone who wants to be a part of what God is doing uh, in their community and around the world. A disciple is someone who allows their heart to be softened by the Holy Spirit So they can have a growing and sacrificial love for the people around them. Because people around us are desperate for eternal life. Uh, A disciple is someone who keeps the small boat of their life ready so that ministry can happen unabated at a moment's notice. Uh, A disciple is someone who understands that they are wanted by God and that he's inviting them into a special, close family relationship. And that God intends to do a specific work through them. That is discipleship. And so we need to soften our hearts to those who are suffering around us today. Let's choose to do that. Let's choose to look at people and see their eternal need and and see their suffering and and soften our hearts to that. Let's understand that Jesus is doing something in this world and in our community and then commit to being a part of it. Let's keep ourselves ready, our our little boat of our life. Let's keep it ready so that at a moment's notice we can serve others at the very instant that God calls us to preach and to reach and to glorify his name. Amen? Amen. All right.